theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. God, praise God. The presence of the Lord is in this place. We're so glad to be here. I know it's supposed to be spring. It didn't feel like it, but let it be spring inside of you. Like life is just coming back. Amen. Love to be in the presence of the Lord. And while I give my regards, let's go to the book, the, the Bible, Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to 10. And I am so glad to be and be able to speak to you all. I know you've heard me speak on Wednesdays, and if you have been with us for quite a while, you've heard me speak uh, previously, but it's an honor for me. I don't take it lightly. I've prepared, I've prayed, I've seek the Lord, and I believe God gave me a word for everybody in this place, including myself, including you that's watching online. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Pastor Kill. We're praying for our pastor while he's away. Uh, he, he's ministering. He's preaching. He's teaching. And so we're praying for him. We're praying that God will use him mightily like he uses him here. He will use them wherever he's at. Amen. Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to 10. I also want to give uh, my love to my wife who's watching. She's not here, uh, unfortunately. But everybody that's here, help us pray that the Canadian government will get their lives together in jesus name and she'll be able to come but right now she's watching she's in bogota colombia where i'm come from uh and, and so pray pray for us pray for us it's been too long one day more and it's too long still and so we need her to come home she always says that she loves extraordinary church she loves all of you even though you've never met her she already loves you and uh, i can't wait for her to get here luke chapter 15 verse 8 to 10 says this Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle, sweeps the house, and seeks diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinners that repents one sinner that repents amen let us pray lord we thank you for this day we thank you for your word we thank you lord god that your presence is in this place if it weren't for you this will be a meaningless gathering god but your presence in our midst makes absolutely the difference, the change. And I pray that you will anoint my lips, anoint my mind, Lord God. That it will not be my thoughts, what I think it's good, what I think it will preach. But it will be exactly what every person has been coming here to look for, Lord. We rebuke anything that is against your will, Lord God. And we break loose the gifts of the Spirit in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You see 10 pieces of silver. I wish it was silver. They're not. Um, what you don't know though, it's a, maybe you don't know, maybe you know. I'm a coin collector too. I collect coins and I have about 750 coins. Some of them still currencies from several countries, but some of them are not currencies anymore. So I actually have 
like a coin from Chinese dynasty from a long, long, long time ago. When we went to China, we gathered that one. I have some coins from old Israel. I have this one from Jordan, which is really cool. When we went to Jordan, I have some from Spain before they joined the European Union. But what's funny, though, is that this morning I was looking for my coins and I couldn't find them. Which is funny because that's actually what we're going to preach. So I couldn't find my coins, my 700 coin collection, but actually I found it. And I gathered this. It looked like pieces of silver, but for sake of the message, we're going to lose one. And we're going to get that one lost. If you find it, please return it. But we're going to talk about this coin. Why is it so special? Why is it so unique? And actually, I read a story that is going to illustrate the message for us. It was a man that went to God and asked him, what is the value of my life? And God gave him a little stone and said, find out the value of this stone. Go ask around, but do not sell it to anybody. The man took the stone and went to an orange seller and said, how much will you pay for this stone? And the orange seller looked at the stone and said, hmm, you can take 12 oranges and I keep the stone. And the man apologized and said, I'm sorry, I can't sell the stone. God told me not to do it. He went ahead and found a man that was selling vegetables. And he asked him, what is the value of this stone? And the man that sell vegetables said, well, you can take three packs of carrots and I'll keep the stone. And he said, no, that won't do it. He said, okay, I'll give you my finest product and I'll give you some good broccoli that I just got from my garden. And you, and you give me the stone and you can get all of the broccoli that I have right here. And he said, I'm sorry, the stone is not for sale. I just want you to tell me how much it's worth. And then he said, well, I got to go somewhere else because I got to get a really good appreciation of what the stone is worth. And he went to a jeweler and he said to the jeweler, how much will you pay for this stone? And the jeweler with amazement looked at the stone and said, I'll give you $500 for the stone. And the stone is mine. And he shook his head and he said, well, no, I can't sell it. Very tempted. He said, no, sorry, I can't sell it. And the jeweler immediately snapped back and said, I'll give you $2,000 if you give me the stone. He said, sorry, I can't sell it. And so the man wondering, well, someone paid 12 oranges. They offered some broccoli. And someone offered me $2,000. Maybe this is a really, really valuable stone. And so he went to a pawn shop and he said, how much will you give me for the stone? And the man said, for this ruby, I will, I will give you $20,000. And he said, sorry, it's not for sale. God told me not to sell it. Very confused, the man comes back to God and says, what happened? I don't get it. Now, God, you tell me what this stone is valuable. And moreover, what's the value of my life? And God said, well, here's the answer. The orange seller, the vegetable seller, the jeweler, and the pawn shop seller explain to you the value of life. You may have a precious stone in your life. You might be even priceless. But people will value you based on their level of knowledge. People will put a price tag in you 
based on what they know and what they don't. And their motive behind it, it's only entertainment, ambition, ability, and fear. What determines the value of your stone. And in the eyes of God, you are precious. But maybe to somebody else, you aren't. And this brings us to this story, which is actually a three-part story. The first story tells us about a man who had a hundred sheep. And one goes wandering away and gets lost. And he forsakes the 99 to go find the one. It tells us the story of the coin that we just read. And it tells us the story of the prodigal son. The father who had two sons, one asked for inheritance and left. And then after many years, it dawned on him. I need to get back to my father's house because a slave gets better life than me out here in the wilderness. And this story is God chosen for a purpose. For It just wasn't just a random story to get through the day or to, to, to just poke somebody's ear. But it was a purpose and an intention that reveals God's heart for the people. That reveal the love of Jesus towards people. Because that's all he cares about. He cares about your soul, he cares about your life, he cares about your heart, and he cares about where you're going to spend eternity. Amen? And that's God's heart. He's searching, actively searching for people to whom he can demonstrate his love in an overwhelming, passionate, entertaining, without ever leaving any space, his love. To be poured down into somebody's life. But this story, it's a juxtaposition of, of either you are saved or you're lost. You are found or you're wandering around. Either you are with your father's flock or you're wandering aimlessly. But what's crazy about it's that the sheep left the herd and went wandering on its own. The son left his father's house. And was wandering on its own. But the coin was lost inside the house. If you think about it, a coin doesn't really have anything. It's a coin. In fact, if you take a bill, it's paper. If I have this bill just laying here <laughs> it means absolutely nothing I don't have anything right now but the moment the purchaser takes the bill all of a sudden it has purchasing power the bill on its own cannot purchase absolutely anything but ten dollars in my hand and get me a junior chicken combo and give me some change. Anybody in college, university knows what I'm talking about. If you go to UFT, you will know that this can even buy you a hot dog outside of UFTs. Barely. But money becomes utilized when you have it in your hand. On its own, it means absolutely nothing. So you without God, you're just 
someone. But the moment God takes you, your purchase and power escalates extremely. Because you're no longer just a human being. You become a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ who can do wonders, miracles, who can do absolutely anything. Only because you said, I can be wandering around this world, but I let God pick me up, use me for his kingdom. I love it that you have a job that you like. I, I rejoice with you that you have a house that you purchased. That you got the latest car. I love it that you tell me good news and you say, I got a raise. And that's amazing. All of the things that we do here on earth, they are wonderful and amazing. But they're meaningless. We've said this many, many times. You cannot take your car with you when you die. You cannot take your house when you die. You cannot take the things of this world when you die. But you can do something great for God right here, right now. That will translate for generations and generations and generations and generations and generations. What you invest your life in God, you absolutely will invest it in the very best thing you can ever do in your entire life. Because you are in the hands of the creator of heaven and earth. And God created you. He gave you breath. He gave you life. He gave you life abundantly. And when you are found by God, God can do wonders with your entire life. You think you're doing great things, but when you become one with God, oh, I'm telling you, your life will be transformed. Absolutely transformed. But hear me out. Because I'm talking about this juxtaposition of being saved and being lost. You have people that are lost in the world. People that are lost out there in, in, in drunkenness, in fornication in lies, in all the things that this world has to offer. But now let me talk about the people that are in this room. Because we talk about the sheep all the time. We talk about the prodigal son that leaves the house, that leaves the church. What about the coin that is lost within the house? What about the coin that is lost within the church? And the reason why I'm concerned about this is because I grew up in church. I grew up going down to Sunday school. I grew up singing all the motion songs. I grew up going to every single service. I grew up to go and meet week Bible connections. And I grew up going to Sunday morning and Sunday night. And Sunday night. You guys think you have it tough. And sometimes it would be like three services on Sunday too. You guys don't know. And when you have and when you have a special weekend. It wasn't, I don't know why they call it special weekends. It was like Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning. And then the preacher always said, oh, the best to last. Sunday night was like a five-hour service. And I grew up in that. And I loved it. But the thing is, when I turned 12, 13, 14, I was lost inside the house. I was in the church. Wearing my suit and tie. I was clapping my hands. I was worshiping God. But my heart wasn't here. I was lost inside the house. I was lost inside the church. And I'm not accusing you of being in lost inside the church. 
But what I'm telling you is it can be possible. It can be possible to go through the motions. It can be possible that you're here just because your parents told you so. And it is possible that you're here because you don't have anything else to do. But whenever something comes around that it's way better, you will say, oh, the church. No, 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 the game, the game, the game. And it happens. But I'm here to tell you about a God that loves you so, so, so much that he's passionately and equivocally crazy for you. He's obsessed with you 100%. And the reason why Jesus even tells this story is because the Pharisees, the people who were against Jesus, and those officials of the time came up to him murmuring, saying, why is Jesus eating with sinners? Why is Jesus loving the lost? Why is Jesus welcoming people that don't have the pedigree that we have into our synagogues? And Jesus tells them, well, because I am that shepherd, because I am that woman, and because I am that father that will do absolutely anything to love my people. So you think you're fooling God, but God ain't fool. He knows your heart, He knows your mind, and He knows your intentions. He knows absolutely everything, even the things, the darkest things of your soul, He knows them. So this is why we're the perfect church for imperfect people. You don't have to fool anybody. You don't have to pretend to be anything. Listen, I give you a tip. If you come down here to the altar later on today, no one's going to think like, oh my God, Elvis had a tough week. No. If you come and you're like, God, use me. No one's going to be thinking like, ooh, he might be in a little bit of sin here and there. No, this is an open altar. Open for crying, open for dancing, open for shouting, open for saying, God, use me. If you had a tough week indeed, well, this is your place. This is the place to cry. This is the place to say, God, I am sorry. This is the place where God can embrace you and love you like never, ever, ever before. I promise you, I've been there. No one's looking at you. You think like, oh my God, I'm crying. My mascara is running. No one's, no one's looking at you. I promise you, no one is looking at you. This is the safest place you can find a place of repentance. Because in, we're all in the same place. We're all in the same place. You might think that I'm ahead or someone is ahead or so-and-so has it all together. Guess what? I don't have it all together. I'm still trying to figure out so many things in my life. And in my world, there are days that I wake up confused too. There are days that I have tough days. There are days that I think, what is the point of life? But I'm here to remind you, your life has a point and a purpose. Whether you think or not. God has a plan for you. Why don't you say that to yourself? We say it to our neighbors all the time. Why don't you say it to yourself? I have a purpose. God has a plan for my life. I need you to say it like you actually believe it. I know you might think that you're already too old. But there's not too old for God. If you have breath in your lungs, God still has a plan for you. So we're going to say it one more time. God has a plan for my life. I have a purpose. Amen. Amen. We have a purpose in Jesus Christ. We have a purpose 
in God. Amen? Now let me explain to you something about economics. I went to school for economics. Maybe you already know this. Hopefully. Everybody knows kind of this. But we all as Canadians, we decide how much a quarter is worth. We like, if I give you a quarter, whatever business you're in, whatever job you do, you will tell me how much of your work that's worth. We decide that. As supply, supply and demand works, we decide how much a $10 bill can buy, how much a $100 bill can buy. And we all collectively decide the price of something. Because if I now become Kirkland water bottle seller, and I come to you, Alex, and I tell you, give me $100 for this water bottle, will you do it? It's 40 degrees out there and you're thirsty. It's like 40 degrees, no shade, humidity 200%. Give me 100 bucks, come on. Will you do it? You start thinking. <laughs> what if I give you a promotion and I tell you, well, 25% off, you give me $75. Not yet? What if I tell you, okay, okay, this is the tough sell. 50 bucks, 50 bucks cash, no taxes, because the hundred was with taxes. You do it for 50? <laughs> okay, he will not do it because the wife said no. There we go. I've learned a few things in marriage already. You will probably, the max you will pay, and that will be in a baseball game, it will probably be like five bucks this water because everybody knows that in a baseball game everything's more expensive but there is no way someone will pay a hundred bucks for this because it's just a water bottle nothing else and so just like that story we decide the value of people we look at a homeless person and we say well this person isn't worth that much because they're homeless but we looked at this guy with suit and tie going into his law firm. Oh, this guy's worth some money. And we, by accident, start thinking like this world. We start valuing people based on their appearances and assets and their education and their status and what they do and what they cannot do. All of a sudden, you start judging and you start having a perspective of people based on who they are. I've learned this lesson many years ago when people ask me, what do you do? Or like, what's your profession? Well, my profession is actually being a son of God who works in a bank. But that doesn't define me. My job cannot define me as a person. Because my job comes, like, what happens when you retire then? When someone asks you, like, what do you, what, what do, you do? Oh, well, I used to be. I was... And we let our possessions, careers, our degrees, our things define who we are. We do it to ourselves. Because the moment you graduate university, now I'm somebody. Now you're somebody with a paper. That cost you about $60,000. <laughs> now, now you want to pay the $100 for the water bottle. <laughs> we think that now that I have a car, now I'm somebody. Because now I have a car and I can drive to places. Now that I bought my house, 
Now I'm somebody. Because now I have a house in the GTA. Wow. And we let all of these things get to our head and, and, and define our value. And define our perspective of life. When they have absolutely nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Your life, it's not determined by anything outside how much God loves you. Because God already paid the ultimate price. He overpaid for us. He paid so much. That he died on the cross for you and I. He gave up his life so that today all of you are worth Jesus Christ. All of you are worth more than the money that the government can print. All of you are worth more than absolutely anything you can ever accomplish. Your life is worthless. Not in the sense that it's not worth anything. But in the sense that it's worth everything. God looked at you and he said 2,022 years later, he said, I want to die for you and 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 for you. And you're worth every single breath in my lung. You're worth everything. You're worth me coming up to this world, wrapping myself in flesh, going up on the cross, enduring pain, enduring everything. Because you're worth it. Because you are worth absolutely everything today. I don't care if your teacher called you stupid all your life. Or if your parents gave you away. Or if somebody negated you and said you are not worth absolutely anything. Or you are dumb or whatever they tell you. I am not minimizing that. But what I'm telling you is there is a God so good and so gracious. That thinks the world of you. That it's madly in love with you. Just like you're weird. I am weird. But God loves me. But God cares about me. But God died for me. And I cannot allow the world to define my value. Based on what I do. And as the church... We need to value people for who they are. We need to value people based on how much Jesus loved them. And I want to clarify something to you. The more rejected someone was, the more God gravitated towards them. The more outcast someone was, the more Jesus gravitated to that one. The more rejected from society that person was, the more God gravitated to them. Because God is a magnet for those who are weak. For those who can't get it all together. For those that have problems and issues in their head. God is madly obsessed with you. Church, God loves you. Like you will never understand. He cares about you. And I want to give you three observations really quickly about this story of the lost coin. Number one, I already said it, the coin was lost inside the house. The coin was lost inside the church. The coin was lost where everybody else was, the coin was lost. Let me prove it to you biblically. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 12 says, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did know not the Lord. Eli was the priest. 
and his kids grew up in church. They saw dad come from sacrifices. They saw dad come from the Holy of Holies. They saw dad do great things for Jesus, lead it people. Spiritually speaking, lead the people. And these sons, growing up, they had to leave at the church. They were lost. Tell parents, your kids can't be lost inside the church. I was, and my mom didn't even know it. I was so good at fooling people. I knew when to clap. I knew when to shout. I knew how to dress up. Well, sort of. I knew how to... I knew how to come to church. I knew how to be on time. But I was lost within the church. We can't allow that. We got to go find people when they're at the church. When they're inside the building, we got to go looking for them. Looking how to help them. Looking how, how what can we do to help you? How, how can we assist you? How can, let, let, let's go out for a coffee. We cannot let any other person be lost inside the, the house. Because that's the first step. You get lost inside the house like the prodigal son thought. I have it all together. I have my life all together. Now give me my inheritance. I'm going to leave now the house. And young people, trust me. There is nothing out there in this world. Absolutely nothing. You don't need to go. You don't need to try. You don't need to see. You don't need to be. And even you adults, you don't, need to, you don't need to be in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I go maybe, maybe I don't go. There is absolutely nothing this world can offer you that Jesus Christ can. God will give you the absolute best of best of best. But don't allow yourself to be lost inside the house. Number two, we never lose our vow. We never lose our vow. And I want to make this very emphatically. Because maybe you are lost inside the house today. You're worth everything to Jesus. Maybe you don't have your prayer life together. Maybe you don't have all your convictions together. Maybe you're going through the toughest time in your entire life. You're worth everything to Jesus. You're worth absolutely everything to him. He's so in love with you. That I want you to understand. I don't want you to live this place thinking like you're worth less. That your life has no meaning. That your life can be, because this is what the enemy does. He, he wants to get to you to think that your life is worth nothing. That if you take your life, no one's going to miss you. That if you take your life, no one's going to care. Don't, don't, let, don't let that lie recite your head. Rent free. No. God loves you so much. And if you've been longing for someone to tell you, I can tell you right now, I love you. This church loves you. We love you so much. And we need you. I need you here. Because one day, I'm going to be the one who's going to need that pick me up. And I'm going to be the one who needs that call. Because our life, lives are up and down. Our feelings, up and down. Our situations, up and down. Tomorrow I'm up, tomorrow I'm down. 
and I don't know what's going to happen. But I need you. I need you to hear me today. Your life is worth absolutely everything. You are everything to Jesus. He's desperate in love with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that no wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put shame to the wise. You know what's my attitude today? God, pick me. I'm foolish. I'm dumb. I don't know how to do it. God, pick me. I'm the first one to say it. I don't know what God chose me. He could have chosen anybody else. But I am so happy that he picked me on his team. That he picked the foolishness of this world. That he picked the lowest of the lowest. I am telling you, do not let the things of this world carry you away from the purpose of God. Carry you away from the purpose of Jesus Christ. Do not let this world define you. Because God has already given you value by shedding his blood on the cross. God has already given you so much value that no one else can diminish. No one else can diminish. Yeah, you can come up. Number three. The Bible says that the woman seek diligently for the coin. Because if you're like me, I always lose my keys. Always. Every single day. And I cannot afford these air tag thingies from Apple that are like $700. If I lose my keys, they're going to stay lost. But if you're like me and I, or if you think like me and you lose something, I look for it just a little bit. Like, I, I look and I'm like, oh, it'll turn up. And it always does, though. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not wrong. But though, I got to say this. I always lose my Presto card, too. And that one I never find back. <laughs> so the people at Presto are probably wondering, this guy renews his car every other week. Yes, I do. I lose my Presto card all the time. But if you are like me, we lose things all the time. The control remote. Or sometimes we even lose some money. And we're like, oh, $10, whatever. Or we lose a coin or we lose something. And we give up. And the narrative goes out that Jesus is like that. That Jesus says, well, he left the church. So whatever. And the narrative goes that how we love people, it's how God loves us. Because that's the closest thing to love that we have. Perhaps the love of a mother to a daughter or the mother to a son. That loves us so much. But even sometimes the love of a mother fails. Or we think like, oh, I love my spouse so much. And that love fails too. And we think that God loves us like that. That God loves us today and tomorrow. He's like, he didn't pray out of, out of my house. Like, chew. You, you don't deserve to be in my list today. And the narrative goes like that. And, and we think, well, 
God can't love me anymore because I've done such and such and such and such a thing. God can forgive me anymore because I did X, Y, Z and I left X, Y, Z and I did X, Y, Z and the narrative goes around that I am too evil to go to church. Have you ever invited someone to church and they say that? Well, no, I can't go to church no more. The whole place will burn down. I've met people like that. I'm like, come to church and you'll see that it will not burn down. And we think that Jesus loves us sometimes. That his love is dependent on our behavior. But the Bible says that he diligently seek for the coin. Not passively. Not, I'll look until I get tired diligently and I want you to picture this in your head because houses back then didn't have the smooth nice floors it was crooked it was pieces of stone put together it had cracks and there was no light like we have today like there was no like let me turn on my iPhone lamp or let, let, let me get a little bit more light in here it was crooked and the Bible tells us that the woman had nine coins and each coin represented a date wage. And I ask myself questions when I read the Bible and I say, well, why didn't she just went and work another day? And she can get another coin and she won't have to spend time looking for it. But the coin was so precious, so unique because woman in that day used to get 10 coins on the day of marriage and those were sacred coins and so the coin had a meaning deeper than any other coin it, had, it was a coin that represented the vows of the marriage that represented the unity of the man to the woman just like Jesus is united with his church that represented that unbreakable love between Jesus Christ and his people and so the woman takes out her broom and she diligently begins to sweep the entire house looking for it and I can hear people saying woman put that down broom that's enough I'll give you a coin and the woman said no it's my coin I need my coin and she goes up to the point of spending money for that coin because she lights up a lamp so she had to use oil that was worth a lot of money. She's already spending more money than the actual coin is worth. But for her, it is her lovely coin. She will spend absolutely anything she can to be able to find that one coin. Just like Jesus Christ is desperately enough to find you wherever you put yourself in. God's not passively looking for you. And if you're running from Him, I am here to tell you, you can run, you can hide, you can go to the highest place on earth. But later, sooner or later, Jesus Christ is going to find you. So stop running from God. And say, God, I'm here. God, I'm here. I'm sick and tired of running and trying and hiding and going and doing 
and trying to fit in the society with my things that are never enough. And Jesus is diligently seeking for you, trying to find you. And all the woman hoped was what with one of the sweeps, the coin will get stuck into the broom and it will just crack. And as soon as that coin made the sound, the woman said, I found the coin. I found it. I found the coin that's so precious to me. I find what I was looking for. I found the thing that I was looking for. I gave up so much. And you know what she does? She spends more money. Because she's inviting everybody. Come to my house. I found the coin. How illogical that is. How crazy that is. How ridiculous that is, but that's God's love towards you. So desperate, so passionate, so intense. That when you were hiding, all you had to do is just trickle down and say, I'm here. Use me. Use me. And you can stand up. We're going to read one more verse in Psalms chapter 139. Because this is powerful. This is a powerful psalm. I was, I was reading this last night and I was like, wow, David, this song. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You searched out my path and my laying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is in my tongue, you already know it. Behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. I lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful to me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about the night, even in the darkness, it's not too dark for you. The night is bright and the darkness of the light is you. You can run. You can hide. But God's going to find you. God's going to find you. You can go anywhere. You can make your bed in hell. But you can't hide from Jesus Christ. Because his love for you, it's so ridiculous that he will get into hell just to get you out. I'm not here to condone any sinful acts, but you can go to a strip club, you can go to a bar, you can get drunk, you can lie all you want, you can fornicate all you want. God loves you no matter what. That doesn't make it okay, but God loves you no matter what. 
God's desperate enough and if he loves us yet while we were sinners God's looking God's constantly looking for you this is why sometimes you're a horrible sinner this is why sometimes in the act of sin you feel horrible and you're like ah, I shouldn't be here I shouldn't do this because God's chasing for you God's passionately looking for you God's actively searching for you and he wants to have a relationship with you and so I have two invitations for you today if you feel lost inside the house I'm telling you judgment free like we're not here to play games today is the day that you can say God here I am God you can find me I, I don't want to run from my purpose I don't want to run from my uh, and, and not necessarily needs to mean that you're in sin but you're just tired of running from whatever God called you to do maybe God called you to preach and you're so afraid and stuck, stuck up because what would people say today's the day you say here I am Lord use me maybe God is asking you to teach a Bible study but you're so afraid and you let the world tell you that you're not good enough, that you don't have it all together. But if you said today, here I am God, use me. But most importantly, if you've never experienced salvation in your heart, today is the day. If you've never repented of your sins, today is the day you get to repent from it. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today is the day you can get baptized. We have everything necessary for you to get baptized. You don't have to wait one more second. And if you've never experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit, today is the day God can fill you with His Spirit. And last but not least, I can show you a picture of a hungry kid. And you will give thousands of dollars. Because you're a giving church. You're a giving church. I can show you a picture of an immigrant that just came to Canada and don't have anything, and you will give. But unfortunately, I cannot put a picture up of a soul that's going to hell. But if I could, what would you do? Stop running from the purpose and embrace it. Online people, thank you for watching. Thank you for being with us today. I hope that this is encouraging to you. Pray there. Pray in your living room. Let God touch you and, and, and fill you up with His Spirit. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends. ExtraordinaryChurch.ca we are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.